Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be going through verses 15 through 17. And I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to pray and get into this Bible study. So it says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we, we are just so honored and, and humbled that, that you are the God that we serve. Father, we thank you that you are a personal God, that you are a loving God, that you are a gracious God. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your words so that we can learn about who you are. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us community, that you have given us the gift of fellowship, that you have given us other believers that, that we can walk through this, this difficult life with. God, we thank you. Uh, God, we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us. Father, you've just blessed us with, with so much. Lord, we thank you that you've given us grace, that, that we are even able to have a relationship with you and speak to you now is such a gift. Lord, we thank you for that. And we just pray that as we get into your word, Father, that, that you would speak, that you would move, that people tonight, that we would all experience you in, in a tangible way tonight, Father, that we would learn more about the God that you are and that we would understand you just a little bit more, Father, and that we would walk through these doors and be used by you, God, in, in, in any way that you see fit. So we thank you so much for this time, and again, just pray that you would bless this, this Bible study and that your Holy Spirit would move to, to encourage and convict us and challenge us, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's just get right into this. So starting in verse 15, it says, For this reason, because I heard of your faith and the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So immediately what we see here is we see the response, right? We see the reaction to what happens when you put your faith in Jesus. So when you truly grasp even just a fraction even just a fraction of the love and the grace that you have experienced from our God, it pours out into a love for others. And, that, and that's one of the things that, that we're talking about with new life and new perspective, new motive, right? The motive isn't for any selfish action, but your motive now is truly to love people the way that Jesus loves them. And so when I know that I am loved undeservedly, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right, I am able to love others who do not deserve it, just as much as I don't. Right, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are now able to love others who are just as undeserving. And I really wish I would have gotten the, the video ready for this, but the best example, as I was studying for this, the best example I can think of is, is this guy named Brant Jean. Has anyone ever heard of... of um, Botham Jean and Amber Geiger in that whole situation. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, um, so Amber Geiger was a police officer, and she, she had been a police officer for, for four years, and she's going home to her apartment, and she lives on the third floor. I think, I think her, her 
room number, let's just say it was 374. She accidentally parks on the fourth floor. And she goes to room 474, and she goes to unlock her door, and the door opens. And so she had just gotten off duty. She has her firearm on her. She walks into the door, pulls out her firearm, and this this guy named named Botham Jean was, was just sitting in his house watching TV, and she comes through the door, and he gets up, and he looks at her, and she tells him, and she's like yelling at him to put his hands in the air. So she says that, that he started to approach her, so she shot him in the chest, and she killed him in, in his living room. And so during her trial, Botham's little brother, Brant, is this 18-year-old kid, this 18-year-old kid, and he gets up on the stand, and the way that he speaks to Amber is, is absolutely out of this world. What he says to her, one of the first things that he says to her is that I forgive you. He said, I can't speak for my family. I can't speak, I can't speak for anyone but, but me. And he said, I forgive you. And he said, I want, I truly want what's best for you. He said, I don't even want you to go to jail. He said, the, the one thing that I want for you, and it's the same thing that my brother would have wanted for you, is for you to give your life to Jesus because he will forgive you because he loves you. And then he does something that people said that they had never seen before in, in, um, during, during a court hearing. He asked the judge if he can give her a hug. And the judge, after he asked like three times, the judge finally said yes. And so he gets up and he walks over and he hugs the woman that shot and killed his older brother. That is what it looks like. That when you put your faith in Jesus, right, when you've experienced the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God, it pours out of you. Man, that was 100%. That No man, no person can do that in their own power. There's no way. But because, because Brant had a relationship with Jesus, because Brant understood the grace that he has received, he was able to pour that out to Amber. And then the judge does something ridiculous too. The, joy, the judge was crying like crazy and then she walks out of the room. She goes and she grabs her personal Bible and she walks out and she gives it to Amber and she, she tells Amber that she can have her Bible and, and she also shares the gospel with Amber. It is, it's one of the most, and I highly encourage you guys to go and read it, it's one of the most powerful uh, situations and, and expressions of the grace and the love of Jesus, man, through his people that I've ever seen. But that, that is what comes from, from a real experience of God's love and grace. That is what it means to be used as God's hands and feet in people's lives. So, what does Paul do for his brothers and sisters, right? What does Paul do? He, in, in response to his love for them, he prays for them. In verse 16, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So out of Paul's love for these people, he brings them before their creator. 
This is such a practical and this is such an easy way for us Christians to show our love to those around us, praying for them. So the question is, and how often, and the challenge is, how often are you praying for others? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and presidents, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Has anyone heard that, that statement, right? That, that it's hard to be mad at someone you're praying for. Has anyone heard that before? Okay, a few of us. Those of us that went to Sunday school and they tell you that. Um, this is kind of what this passage is getting at, right? So when you are bringing someone before the Father in love, and you are asking that God would move in their life and in their heart, God seems to meet us there, right? And God seems to to change our heart towards that person and really love that person and see that person in a different light, doesn't he? That's one of the beautiful things about prayer. And Paul is saying that praying for others helps, leads us toward a peaceful, quiet, dignified and godly life, and quiet meaning tranquil, or free from disturbance or calm, or free from anxiety or stress. So prayer aligns our hearts, and prayer aligns our minds and perspectives and desires with God's. That is what prayer does. It gets our minds off of ourselves and our problems, and it brings them before the Lord. And when we're praying for others, right, when you aren't spending all of your time, because, I mean, we absolutely... Pray for ourselves, don't get me wrong, but when you are praying for others, man, that is a, a practice of true humility. Because humility, humility isn't thinking of yourself less, or thinking less of yourself, that's what I meant. Isn't thinking less of yourself. It's like, oh man, I'm so ugly, and I'm so terrible, and I'm, I'm just the worst ever, and nobody wants to talk to me, and nobody wants to be my friend. That's not humility. Right? That, is still, that is still pride because who is your mind on? Yourself. You are still thinking about yourself. That's not real humility. What real humility is, is thinking about yourself less. You are considering others more than you are considering yourself. And so when you are coming before God in prayer, you are practicing true humility because you are now off of yourself and you are now thinking about and praying for the betterment of other people. So let's look. So this is what Paul is doing, right? This is what Paul is doing for these people that he loved. And so now we're, we're going to see what Paul's prayer actually was for these people. And Paul's prayer has five different categories, but we're only going to talk about two of them tonight. So what is, Paul, what is Paul's prayer that we're going to talk about tonight? It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, excuse me, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of of him, so that he may give you the spirit of wisdom is the first thing. And this is, this is one of the things that we talked about last week, right? We talked about the Holy Spirit and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the works that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The Holy Spirit teaches us and the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. 
So why is wisdom something that Paul desired for the people? What is wisdom from a biblical perspective? Let's, let's see what, what the Bible has to say. Proverbs 16.16 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So the Bible talks about how wisdom, man, is better than earthly riches. Wisdom is better than any earthly thing that you can get. And Charles Spurgeon has a quote, and and this is kind of his description of, of wisdom. He says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. So wisdom, right, is knowledge in action. Wisdom is the practical application of the knowledge that, that you receive. Matthew 7, 24 through 25 says, everyone then, this is Jesus speaking, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his words in the meekness of wisdom. So wisdom has action involved in it. Wisdom isn't something that you just sit down and you receive. Wisdom is you actually going out and applying and living out the knowledge that you're receiving. So wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Again, knowledge is learning and it's retaining information. Knowledge on its own is completely... Knowledge on its own is, is useless because who cares, right, if you have all the knowledge in the world but you just sit at home and you, do, and you, sit, at your, you sit in your room all day and you don't do anything, right? How does that benefit anyone? Even yourself, how does that even benefit you? It doesn't. Or the only thing that you do with your knowledge is you go out and you pick fights with people and you have intellectual conversations with people and you try to make people feel stupid and you just try to be right about everything. How is that benefiting everyone? I would even, I would even argue the fact, man, that, that knowledge without wisdom is way more detrimental to your life than, than not. So how does knowledge actually benefit you? John, uh, John, James, the brother of John. James 3, 14 through 17 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast or be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom from above. And look at this, look at this statement that James says. But the wisdom of, from above is first pure, then peaceable. Sorry, that was, a, that was bass right there. Peaceable. I try to do it with less bass. So when... With your wisdom, right, when you're having, you, it's, not, it's not a sin to have intellectual conversations with people. It's not a sin to, to talk about things that, to, to have discussions with people. But you, Christian, when you have these conversations, right, your heart is to make peace with people. Man, I did it again. Gentle, right? Open to reason, man. This is, this is such another, the Bible actually tells us not to just believe things blindly, but to be open to reason. 
You as a Christian, be open to reason. Don't just believe everything that you're told, but be open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And just going back to open to reason things, this is, this is one of the things that I was teaching my 7th and 8th graders because I was teaching this Bible class for, for the, the middle school that was here. One of the things that I was telling them uh, is, is when somebody tells you something, even if it's Bible-related, even if it's your teacher, even if it's your principal, and they, and they tell you something that, that is biblical, or they tell you something about God, and they say that that is truth, then take it with a grain of salt. Go back. God has given us His Word. The same Bible that I'm reading is the same Bible that you're reading. This is the ESV, so it might be a little different, but it's the same, right? If you want to read the same Bible, go get an ESV. But that is rabbit trail. Oh my gosh, focus. Come on, brain. So, the Bible that, that you have, right, everything there is to, to know about the person of God and, and, and the ways of God is in this book. So when somebody says something that, that doesn't sound right, that sounds kind of weird, man, go and read the book for yourself. Don't just, even if that person's a pastor, don't just sit here and just believe everything that I'm telling you. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so, I, I really make sure that I have a lot of scripture involved because I don't want you guys to take my word for it. I want you to take what God has to say about it in his word. Right? So we need to make sure that we are being students of the word and we are open to reason and we are doing our, our own personal study and we have a personal relationship with the Lord and we're getting into his word. But anyways, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So now let's take a look at some of the wisdom statements that the Bible gives us. So Proverbs 1, 7 says, Man, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fools despise wisdom and destruction. So the fear of the Lord. Man, this is something that me and Josh were just talking about like five minutes before church started. The fear of the Lord, this is something that, that is very... Man, it's complex because he brought a verse to my mind. And, and we were talking about the Job and how, how Job describes the fear of the Lord. But fear, this word, this word fear, in, in the context and referring to God, a lot of the times, is, is reverence. That's how, that is, that is what, what this word means, is reverence, a reverence from God. But in, in terms of fear, there is a, a real sense of fear that a person should have when you contemplate and you understand the the nature of God. When you understand, and we're going to talk about some of the attributes of God, and if, if you don't have a relationship with God, then He is absolutely a God to fear. He is absolutely a God to fear. And the fear of God, one of the, one of the good ways to describe it is Hebrews 12, 28-29, and it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. When you come before God, you come before God, right? When we should if we're thinking about God in, in, the, the, in the omnipotence, in the omniscience, what we're going to talk about later, in, in who he is, man, you come before God in reverence and awe. 
He's not the kind of person that, that we should be coming to as we're falling asleep or when we're starving. We just want food and be like, hey, God, bless this food. Bless the body. Bless the hands that, that made it. Amen. That's not, that's not the way that we should be coming before our God when you really understand who God is. And we're going to talk about that later. But Proverbs, getting back into the wisdom statements, Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A wise man is humble in the way that he receives correction. Are you the kind of person that every single time somebody tries to correct you or call you out on something, you have an excuse? You have an excuse as to why it's not your fault. Man, the Bible is saying that when, when, you, when you are that kind of person, you are a fool. A wise person listens to correction. A wise person listens to, and I am saying this from experience, I am the fool. Ask my wife. When we have conversations and we have arguments, man, I, it's like, I'm always just like, no, like, you didn't think about this, but when I did that, this was my actual intention. And what I am absolutely the fool in, in this, and it's, it's extremely convicting. But what a wise man does is even if that, that advice or that correction that you're getting you disagree with, understanding the fact that you may be blinded by your pride, and it may be true even just a little bit, a wise man listens to correction and takes advice from others, right? even when you disagree with it at first. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Man, has, anyone, has anyone's mom ever told them, show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are? That's straight from Proverbs. Straight from Proverbs. So, and this is something to think about. Who are the people that you are spending your most time with? Who are the people, what is their character like? What is, what are, what is, what is their worldview like? Because that, man, that is just another important aspect of community. That is why small groups, again, is so important. These are the people, right? Your brothers and sisters in Christ, these are the people that we want to do life with. And this is not saying, right? You, this is not saying just anytime you see a non-believer, anyone that's foolish, man, don't hang out with them because a lot of us wouldn't even hang out with, with our siblings or hang out with ourselves, right? Because we're messed up people. This isn't, this isn't saying that, right? But look at the people that you surround yourself with, man, and look at the people that, that you really respect and, and you want to be more like somebody that, that you see. Man, all of my friends, going, going back to my friends that, that I had in the Marine Corps, every single one of them, I had such a respect for in the way that they lived their lives and, and the way that, that they walked in their relationship with the Lord and in, and in their marriages. And those are the people that I wanted to be associated with. Those are the people that I wanted to call my friends because it's like, man, I want to be more like you guys. Those are the kinds of people that we need to be surrounding ourselves with, right? So we can gain wisdom from these people that have been walking with the Lord. And, um, and this is, that's something that I always tell people in marriages too. Man, if you want to go to someone for relationship advice or marriage advice, don't go to the single guy that's never been in a relationship, right? Don't go to the person that, that has the kind of marriage that you're like, ooh, I don't want to, 
geez, I wouldn't want my wife to talk to me like that or my husband to talk to me like that. Man, go seek out uh, the, the people that have a relationship that you look at and you're like, man, those people are honoring God in the way that they treat each other and the way that they talk, talk to each other. Like that is, that is the marriage that I want to have. Go to those people and seek advice, right? That, that, that is go, when you want wisdom, go to the wise. That's what, that's what the Bible is saying. So Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool. Oh man, this is so practical. Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Jeez Louise, man, that is, that is good life advice that I wish I would have used when I was in high school. Because, man, even a fool, if you, if you don't know what you're talking about, this is, I love how practical the Bible is sometimes. Just like that passage in 1 Corinthians where it's like, Man, if you are in a relationship with someone and you really desire to have sex with them and you can't, you can't stop yourself, just get married. It's like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. That is some practical advice from the Bible. And this is just another one, another wisdom statement. Man, if you are in a situation, just keep silent if you don't know what to say. Just keep silent and people will think you to be wise. So anyways, even after you hear... These, these few things, we only talked about like four or five things. Every single one of us in this room is like, wow, I have a lot of work to do. Man, there is a lot of, of, there is a lot of growth that, that I need to have in my life in terms of wisdom. And if you don't know where to start, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we serve a God that wants to give you good gifts. We serve a God that wants to bless you. So ask him. Ask him. Get into his word and do these things. Don't just, don't just hear them, right? Don't just be a hearer and then walk out and forget everything, but go and practice them, right? Because that, that is, is what, what makes this not a waste of time, right? And I don't know, I'm looking, I'm reading my notes right now, and I have no idea where I was going with this, so we're just going to skip on. But um, wisdom, man, go out and practice these things that we talked about. Don't just sit here and, and listen and walk out of here. And this is, this is another reason why I think small groups are so important, or for when you are hanging out with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to actually talk about these things. Man, when you are going and you're hanging out with your friends, are you talking about the things that God is convicting you on right now? Are you, are you talking about the things that you're being challenged on right now? Or is it, as soon as we're out of here, we're off, we're off the, the Jesus mindset, we're, we're done thinking about what, what God is speaking to us, and we're just hanging out with our friends, man. Let's really, let's really practice fellowship. Hey everyone, Pastor JD here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 to 28, we want to invite you to join us in person. We meet every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. Come join us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance to you and give you peace. Down.